This episode of Dear Anxiety is brought to you by GoZen, creators of online social and emotional learning programs for kids, parents, professionals, and schools. Do you or your kids face emotional challenges? Visit GoZen.com to start transforming stress, anxiety, and anger into confidence, courage, and resilience. Okay, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time for another edition of Dear Anxiety with Ed Krasnick and Rini Jane. I'm Ed Krasnick. Rini will be along shortly. This is a show where we talk about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings. It's about mental health. It's about mental well-being. It's about resilience. It's about emotional fitness. We know physical fitness. Do we know what emotional fitness is? Will that even be a term in the future? Maybe it will be. Maybe there will be emotional gyms where you can actually go and work out your feelings and work out your thoughts and your relationship to them. That's what we do on Dear Anxiety. We give you practical tools that you can use in your life about how to deal with your thoughts and feelings. I couldn't have said it any any better myself. Okay, so my partner has been working in this field, this field of resilience, anxiety relief, how to stress better, all kinds of issues that relate to well-being for many years. She has a company called GoZen, gozen.com, G-O-Z-E-N, where you can learn so many different kinds of skills that will enhance your life, your child's life, your family's life. Teachers use it. It's in many schools. It's all over the world. Check that out. She has a book coming out, too. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. How about that? She's very busy. The hardest working woman in wellness, I would say. That's her new title, Rini Jane. Rini? All right. I'm not the queen of funk anymore. (laughs) Well, you're still the queen of funk, but that's an underlying thing. Now you're the now you now you're the the wizard of wellness. I'm the wizardess of wellness. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh Ed, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. <laughs> you're bored. I'm totally bored. So that's bored. what this is. So that's what this is. We're going to talk about boredom today. We're going to talk about what happens when your child says school is boring. What happens when they are bored? What is boredom about, really? And I come to you, Rini, to, to ask, ask that question because is there such a thing as boredom? Well, Ed, I am glad that you asked if there's such a thing. (laughs) Because in a 2012 review of the research... Oh, my God. (laughs) Holy crap. Yes, in educational Mm -hmm. settings, right? Mm -hmm, We have mm -hmm. found that boredom is a combination, an objective lack of neurological excitement. Wait, are you bored yet? No, I feel good. (laughs) And a subjective psychological state of dissatisfaction, frustration, or disinterest which results from lack of stimulation. I mean, that must be the most boring definition of all time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they, they were drink, they should be drinking their own Kool-Aid those people cuz they're they're creating boredom with that. Yeah. They are creating boredom. Okay, so you're not stimulated. Everyone knows what boredom is, right? Kids say it, adults say it. I think kids probably say it more than adults, but what happens when your child is coming to you and saying, "I'm bored. School is boring." Oh, yes. 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 Why is boring such a dagger in the heart of parents? It never used to be. I was well, it, certainly it, it, bored you, growing up. And my parents were like, okay, cool. 
get on with it. Well, that's what we, well, that's what we taught, you know, this is a culture that chases away, you know, teaches you to chase away feelings, especially sadness. We don't know what to do with sadness, but other cultures don't have that as much. But boredom, when it used to be, your parents used to say, then find something to do. That's what the answer was. The answer was then find something. It wasn't, you didn't have to fix it. Now, if you come to a parent and you say, I'm bored, the parent has a list of 25 things that they should do for you. So my question is, what, how do you flip the tables and say, wait a minute, it sounds like, doesn't sound like boredom. It sounds like you need stimulation. It sounds like you, you need, there are so many things to be interested in. So how can we, how do we work through that together? Yeah. But how do, but how do you do it? In other words, I don't, I don't entertain you. That's not what the boredom answer is, right? It's not. I think we need to look at it first to make sure that when our kids are saying school is boring or something is boring or life is boring, that we're, that we're really, that that's what they mean, right? That we're getting that and that's face value what they mean. So when you and I were kind of researching this, we sort of came up with three different things that could be going on when kids are bored. So I'll take the first one. So we figured out that kids might just not be practicing being bored enough. Okay, so talk about that. So, the, so practicing being bored. What what would that look like? Yeah, should I say the three th- all three things first, or should we go sure. into that one? No, okay. no, you say them. Okay, say okay. So, kids might not be practicing being bored. <laughs> that sounds so funny. Yeah. Number two, kids are actually objectively bored, right? When they're saying school is boring and they're just not getting enough moments of flow. And number three, when kids are saying they're bored, they actually mean something else. So these are the three kind of things that we're looking at when kids are saying that they're bored. And let's dive into each one, right? So the first one was kids aren't getting enough practice at being bored. They're not getting enough practice. So are we simulating this? How, do, how are they going to get practice, you know, being bored? Well, listen, when we leave, leave kids to their own devices, they're often on devices, right? And not all the time, but a lot of times. And so that doesn't allow for boredom because they are occupied with those devices. We see it all the time in waiting rooms or in situations where kids have to wait. And I totally, I'm saying this absolutely without judgment because I'm a parent with little kids and I know (laughs) how disastrous they can be in those situations. So sometimes we just stick a device in front of them. But kids are getting an instant gratification. Obviously, they're getting dopamine hits from all of that stimulation. And so, you know, they're often not left to their own devices to be bored and sort of figure it out. There's some sort of, even if it's not a device, there's some sort of activity or entertainment kind of placed in there. And so they really need to practice being bored. And there's actually a Dutch word called Nixon. I don't think I'm pronouncing it properly for those of not, our not audience. Nixon. He was impeached. Um, for those of was... you who hail from Holland, can you please let me know at some point how to say that properly? But okay. the word is Nixon as I am reading it and seeing it. And it's kind of difficult to define, but it's basically a, a doing of nothing. Right. What we're talking about is doing nothing. It's kind of hard not to do anything because you're usually, yeah, your body's usually doing something, you know, or, or like even when you're sleeping, you're doing something. But it's important for our kids to be able to explore boredom. On this show, often, Ed, you say all the time, we're not good at feeling our feelings. And boredom is absolutely one we're not good at feeling. Again, it is. it doesn't sit well with a child often, right? Especially if they don't have practice. And it definitely doesn't sit well with the adult. 
when the kid says to you, I'm bored, it's the calm before that real storm. Because then we know either they're going to be clingy or they're going to be whiny or they're going to be moping. Mm. We're afraid of those feelings, the subsequent feelings, because we don't believe our kids can navigate through it. Yes, we don't believe that they can navigate through it. And we live in a world of overstimulation. We're stimulating, I, would, I wouldn't say overstimulation, I'd say we're stimulating certain things and not stimulating other things. So what aren't we stimulating? We're not stimulating doing nothing, which people used to do. I remember, and I can make segues into the craziest places, but this is a segue. There's a movie, the movie of Lincoln, where Abraham Lincoln when he was making the biggest decisions of, of the, in the world about the Civil War, he would take a walk because he had to contemplate his big decision. He did not make the decision right away. He, ha- he took a walk. People would take walks. They wouldn't do anything on their walks. They had no phones. They would look at nature and they simply would walk. Not to get anywhere, just to contemplate. And I feel like that is... You know, you, you might call that doing nothing, but but that is actually stimulating a lot. No, this is doing nothing. So this idea that we talked about Nixon is taking conscious, considered time, right, to actually take a walk, gaze out the window, sit motionless, literally do nothing in what a lot of us feel like, and not in a bad way, but sometimes we feel like we're being unproductive when we're doing that. And to go even more extreme, it might even seem lazy or a waste of time, but it's not. Sitting still and being bored and doing it intentionally can have a range of benefits, right? Daydreaming can have a range of benefits. It can make us more creative, better at problem solving, better at coming up with creative ideas. But sure. we, it requires an idleness to do that. And the research shows that there's a lot of benefits to us. And the mind begins to search for its own stimulation. And so it is really important that our kids learn to practice being bored and tapping into the resources they've come into the world with. Could you say to your child, could you say, you know, can you, can you practice daydreaming right now? I think you could. I think kind of direct instruction on being bored might come back to you in a way that's like, I don't want to do that. That's boring, right? But I think that you could say, I think that, you know, do not rise to a conflict when this happens. You're like, okay, yeah, I hear you. You're bored. I've been there. And then allow the space for it. And what that looks like in your home could be different. And you could absolutely, maybe not in the moment, in the moment's not the best time to teach, right? But maybe outside of the moment, say, you know what? I was just kind of described one of those walks or described staring out the window. For me, a lot of times, (laughs) I'm trying not to be inappropriate, but this happens when I shower. I know that sounds really strange. That's like my thinking. That's my thinking spot, you know? Sure. And I'm literally just... The water is hitting my back and I am staring into space and I feel like I'm doing nothing and it could be perceived as boring. But for some reason, from boredom comes inspiration, right? And so I think, you know, your question is, could you say to your child, you should daydream? You could say it, but I think it depends on the setting and what they're saying to you. And I think that you could definitely display it yourself. <laughs> mm. Could you just stare out the window <laughs> with your mouth wide open like, and your child is asking, what are you doing? Just, I don't know, nothing. Being bored. I think it's important mm. right now. 
Yeah. I think sometimes you have to be, you have to just be bored. I'm just practicing. I'm doing my practice. It's almost like, you know, people know what meditation is. They know what a meditation practice is. This is practicing uh, being bored. Why would we do that? Well, good things can happen when we practice this. We start thinking about other things. We start dreaming. A lot of things can happen, but we don't have to run away from it. And you can intentionally think about cultivating spaces for your kids to have kind of nothing to do. One of these places is often in the back of the car. Now, I know, again, that frightens a lot of parents. I don't want to drive with my kids fighting in the back or whining in the back or, you know, having nothing to do. But we all did that growing up, right? So if you want to get some practice and get your kids to practice having that space and that idleness, you can create some spaces for that. You can even make it intentional in the home. You know, you can say we're this is kind of be our our boredom spot, our boredom corner, our daydreaming corner, you know, if you want to reframe it, because a lot of us have a negative relationship with boredom. But I think that's what we're trying to talk about here. In all of with all of our feelings that we talk about on Dear Anxiety, it's not about managing the feeling and squashing it. It is about transforming our relationship with it. And I think with boredom, it's a big thing. You know, so we've been talking all about kids not getting enough practice at boredom. But I think we need to also take what they're saying sincerely, oftentimes, especially if we do some digging. When they come to us and they say they're bored at school and we have a conversation about it and we realize, well, they are objectively bored. <laughs> you know, that that happens. Then what? We need to look at that as well. Well, you talk about, you bring up the issue of kids are actually objectively, they're, they're not in flow. So what is flow? And aside from the progressive insurance character, what is flow and how, how do you stimulate that in somebody? How do you assist them? How do you support them to get into a state of flow? Yeah, flow is a psychological state of being where you are so immersed in the activity that you are doing that time stands still and it falls away. You are completely absorbed. We've all been in a state of flow. Sometimes this is called being in the zone. Maybe you're doing something artistic like writing or journaling or painting or cooking or, you know, doing an activity that really captures your attention to the point again, where maybe several hours go by. That's flow. That's the state of flow. And the interesting thing about flow is that it has a very particular set of criteria when it comes to being challenged. See, you're in a state of flow when you're not too challenged, right? When the level of challenge exceeds your skill set to way too much, you essentially become frustrated, right? You walk away. You're not in flow. And when your skill far exceeds the the challenge required or the challenge at hand, then you are bored, right? You fall into boredom. Right in the middle, the sweet spot is flow, where your skills meet the challenge at just the right place. And mm. it's it's challenging you, but it's not frustrating you. It's challenging you. It's not boring you. You're in flow. So that's what flow is. And we all need those moments of flow. There are a lot of tremendous benefits that come from being in flow. And our kids... They're in flow in a lot of ways, many times during the day. And it's really important for us to be able to find their flow. And what are the elements that are contributing to them going into flow? 
Well, that's an interesting thing, you know, of, uh, of trying to create that. You talk about practicing boredom and making space for it in your home, in your car, wherever you're, you're going to do that. I, I guess that the, the thing about flow is that there's some kind of, well, I remember my daughter's school, they used to say, you're either living in your panic zone, your challenge zone, or your comfort zone. You don't want to live in your comfort zone. You don't want to live in your panic zone. So your, your life exists in the challenge. And you say it's a specific moment, a specific kind of challenge. So is this a, are you redirecting kids to be, to be doing a focused thing that they like doing or enjoy doing or are interested in doing, or you know that they like it? I think that could be one way of looking at it. You could say, okay, let's find the things that put you in flow and let's practice more of those things. Absolutely. Whether that be playing the piano or whatever it might be. I think what we also need to do because our brains have a very strong negativity bias. When our kids come home from school and they say school is boring, they might have completely washed away the moments they had of flow. And I think it's very important, just like practicing gratitude, that we also do some flow finding right in school. And we try to discover the points in time when we are in flow, because what we can do is just putting our attention on something that produces that kind of well-being within us can help us recreate it even just by having the memory of it. So what I'm saying is when your child comes home and they're like, school is boring, or they're just saying it, you know, in in passing, school's boring. Oh, I don't want to go to school. School's so boring. Maybe not in that exact moment, but at some point in time during the day, it's time to explore when school is not boring, right? Oh yeah, I get that. School can be boring. You know what? I have this, use some, use an empathy trick, right? So tell your own story if you want to connect with your child. I had this super boring thing I had to do at work today. Not this, Ed. Don't feel bad. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> so I had this super boring thing that I had to do at work today. I had to do with taxes. It's so boring. I hate crunching numbers. But then there was this other super awesome thing that I got to do afterwards. Let me tell you about it. Hopefully that is a technique that will open up conversation. Maybe they've done an awesome thing. Is there anything super awesome that you did at school today or, you know, this week? Or what was kind of the favorite thing that happened? You know, you told me a few weeks ago that you really loved math. I was surprised by that. What's so? What's to love about math? And you get them to open up, right? You get them to open up about what puts them in flow because what you're being a detective. As a parent, we are often detectives. What are the elements that are putting my child in flow? Is it the teacher? Is it the friends that they're next to? Is it the actual task that they are doing? And get them to just realize how they were in flow. You can even draw a chart, a flow chart if you want to with them. And you can even explain to them, you know what? I think you love that so much because you're in flow. And they'll say, what's flow? And then you can explain it to them very easily. You know, when you play Lego or, you know, when you play video games or, you know, when you watch a movie or, you know, when you, you know, you cook with me, whatever the thing is that puts them in flow, that's you in flow. You're totally engaged. It's not too easy, right? That it's just boring. It's not too hard that it's frustrating. You're in flow. So explain it to them and then find moments of flow. Once they understand what puts them in flow, then do some flow finding every day. It can be just a routine that you institute even for a week, you know, at dinner time. When were you in flow today? Oh, when were you in flow today? And everybody goes around and talks about when they were in flow. Sure, flow time. Yeah, I think I think that, you know, you can do, you could do, if you want to, like you're saying, include both ranges, you could do high-low. 
You know, what's the highlight today? What's the low light today? What's, uh, you know, what what ends of, of the spectrum are you on? You know, I think a great question just in life is what's working? You know, what's, will you say what's right with this picture? But what's, what's going well? What went well today? We just don't think about those things. And they're, they're pretty valuable, just orienting your, your brain that way, which is not to say not dealing with boredom. I'm not saying don't practice boredom, but I'm saying for flow, what went well? What is going well in your life? Is anything going well in your life? Which is the title of my book. <laughs> is anything going well in your life? I love that. I love yeah. what went well, what goes well. And I have a friend of mine always greets me. She says, what's good? So that's another yeah. beautiful way to greet someone, you know, instead of how what's are you? Good. So what's good? You know, tell me yeah, what's good. I love that. Yeah. Tell me what's good. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that too. So we're talking okay. about boredom. We've yeah. covered a little bit of, you know, a few things that could be going on if your kids are saying they're bored or school is boring. Maybe they're not getting enough practice being bored. Maybe they are objectively bored, right? They're not getting enough moments of flow. And sometimes when kids say they're bored, it's a safe way of saying something else that they either can't articulate because perhaps they don't have the language or they're not consciously aware of or they're afraid to talk about, right? Mm. This could be, I'm, you know, I'm frustrated at school because I'm out of my depth when it comes to academics. Basically, it's too hard. It could be yeah. something going on socially. It could, be, uh, it could be a myriad of things. So it's almost what's underneath that statement. Mm. And what are we talking about? And how do we how do we get there? You say be detectives. And so we're questioning, we're asking, you know, what's going on? You know, what's what's happening with, you know, with with your day? What's happening with it? When do you get, you know, when does this when does this happen? Right. Uh, for you? When did it happen? Yes. And then we can and then we can allow them the space, right? Use the Jedi mind trick of literally being silent because they will begin to talk. And then you just listen mindfully, be in a listening partnership with them and listen mindfully. And then you just, you listen and you say, tell me more. Okay. Me can more. you tell me more about that? Yeah. Yes. So, you know, on our Facebook page, actually, which is at facebook.com forward slash love, I asked people to tell me what they think is underneath the school is boring iceberg. So okay. I posted a picture where the top of the image is the top of an iceberg and it says school is boring. And underneath, I posted a couple examples like I feel lonely or math is too challenging. And I said, hey, why don't you guys tell me what you think is underneath the iceberg? And we got a hundred comments of people contributing. It was pretty amazing. Wow. So I wanted to just read a few of those if that's okay. It's fantastic. That's okay. just great. This is what we're talking about when we say community interacting with Gozen and with, the, with their anxiety. Absolutely. So these are moms and dads and teachers interpretations of what their kids mean when they say school is boring. It's too loud in here. I can't concentrate. I'm having a hard time making friends. I feel misunderstood. I'm nervous. I'll be asked to do something that makes me uncomfortable. My classroom is not inspiring me. The system is outdated and outmoded and doesn't benefit amazing minds and bodies. I've been sitting down too long. Oh, yeah, that happens. Sure. Let's see. What else do we have here? I'm not allowed to express myself, yet I have so much to say. 
Oh my goodness. That's a big one. I'm expected to sit quietly the whole day and I can't talk enough. It's amazing. Pick me up early is what it means. I've got more important things to worry about than what's going on in class. Oh, Hmm. yeah. I'm worried. I'm frightened. I'm ashamed. I don't want to be judged. It's easier for me to reject school than wait for school to label me a failure. Oh, my goodness. How articulate of you. Well, that's really well said, though. I'm, I'm impressed with how you're expressing yourself. Yes, I I would like to say to the community, thank you so much for contributing these because we can see when our kids say school is boring, maybe school is boring, but maybe it's so much more than that, right? Yeah, and, and this so, is really, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to just say that, again, it becomes our job to truly try to connect with our child. And sometimes that doesn't happen in, you know, the first go when we're trying we really have yeah, to connect are, with them to get them to open the, up. These are opportunities. They're, so instead, when you get that that frightened feeling, that panicky closing off kind of feeling when your kid says school is boring, think of it as a bell, that the bell of mindfulness where you can open up and say, this is an opportunity to find out what's really going on. If there is something else really going on, which there, there, there may be. There may be. There absolutely may be. And you know, I mean... Let's be honest, we are we are having our kids sit for a lot longer than they used to. There are many, many schools that do not have recess every day, you know, and so there are many schools that unfortunately also penalize kids by taking away recess as a behavioral consequence. Oh my mm. goodness, that's the worst to me. Yeah. You know, that's so hard. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. So there can yeah. be so many different things going on, really. It's really a good thing to find out what's how your kid's thinking and what what's going on with them, especially if they're not a talker. You know, you can ask them what's good. You can ask them, you know, what's what isn't working, what is working. What's what? When were you bored? When were you when were you excited? What? Let's take a look at your day. Let's see how this how this changes. Let's have more of the, the you know. Let's let's be aware of what's going on with us. That's a really good thing, just in general. Let's be aware of what's going on with us and pay attention to those things during the day. They're all cues. They're all windows into into how you live. Absolutely. And I would say to parents that feel that low-level anxiety when their kids do come to them and say they're bored, you know, and they're waiting for an eruption after that, that when they're at home, especially, they can handle it, you know? They are going to find something within themselves to do. And maybe not the first time around, maybe that's going to be hard for them, but allow them to explore their inner resources. They are incredibly resourceful and creative and boredom is a pathway to tap into that creativity. I know, Ed, when you were growing up, you did a lot of comedy in your household, right? I did, I did. And and, and, and it was really... Was any of that um, born of boredom? Yes, it was. It was, it was born of, yeah, I mean, I had a radar for people not, people being unhappy. So if they were unhappy, I knew it and I could sense it and I went to work, which is I made them laugh. And I have to say that it, it wasn't necessarily that it was like, oh, a kid shouldn't have to do that. It was sort of my way of communicating with the world. I thought it was funny if you were having an issue and you could blow it up or exaggerate it or state it 
in a funny way. So that to me is something, that's a way that I get into flow. It may not be the best way, but, but it actually does, it actually is an interesting, you know, way of thinking because there's really a, but, but I say boredom for me was my parents taking me to my grandparents' house, which was to me stale and still, and the air was very heavy and I was forced to sit there while they spoke. And there were large gaps of time. Not my parents, my mother's father, but my, my father's father were very quiet people and not interesting people to me at that time. So the hour, it seemed like years and it was very difficult. And it was, <laughs> I was bored. Very difficult. Well, my mom used to take me sorry shopping, okay, because, you know, my parents are Indian immigrants, and we would once in a while go down to this place in Chicago that was little India town, and we would go sorry shopping because my mom would have, or we would have like a formal event to go to where we would want to wear Indian clothes. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more (laughs) boring than a sorry shop for a little kid. But what used to happen is my brother and I used to go in there and you can see, you probably hear that I'm smiling because it's making me laugh. So we used Mm. to go in there and my mom would, the poor guy or woman behind the counter would unroll like a hundred of them. That's what they do to show you the the fabric. And they'd be Mm. like, oh, what about the orange one? What about the blue one? What about this one? And when they unrolled them, it's like a really long, it's almost like a paper towel roll, you know, (laughs) like a toilet paper roll. Like the thing wow. at the end, the paper thing, we used to take them and we used to play Star Wars with them. Like we would pretend that they were lightsabers. And so that was really exciting for us. So see, this is what came of our boredom. And I remember that very vividly as a positive memory. Well, see, that's the thing is you turn, you took, you turned sorry shopping into lemonade. No, you took lemons. No, but I love sorry shopping. I'm thinking, oh, that's really specific and that's really great. But it does turn, it does turn if you're allowed to you know, you'll find the place you'll explore. And that, and that really is what, what happens. I didn't really do that with my, uh, my mother and I would go, she took me clothing shopping at Izzy Braverman's clothing emporium. He was a tailor and he had pins in his mouth. And, and so <laughs> they put me up on a, I said, he, if you took one of the pins out, uh, you know, he had, it was, he, he, he could speak really beautifully having like 25 pins in his mouth. So that was interesting, right? Not boring there. But then there were a lot of moments where, you know, that it's just time stood still. And I, I created so many things, you know, imaginary friends, games, all kinds of things. But the grandparents, oh my God, that stillness, that was, that was tough. If my parents would have only had this podcast and they would have listened, my mother could have said, why don't you just listen to the podcast already and just sit there and you'll have the podcast and you don't have to be, you know, it's okay to be bored, but you know, you gotta, you gotta learn about boredom today. Listen to Dear Anxiety for Christ's sakes. (laughs) And that is our ultimate promo. Thank you, Ed's mom. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful. I told you that my mom, I used Howie Mandel was my first boss. I, I had to write for him, and my mother would call the show, and she would say, "Howie, you're nice to my son, and that's great. But I saw you on the Tonight Show, and I got to be honest, I don't get it." Um, <laughs> and she literally would do that, and he'd start dying. He'd lay on the floor. So my mother was the ultimate boredom buster with her sense of humor, but. It would be it would be good to you know it would have been good if if she would have said you know what do you you know when are you in flow or what do you 
what do you do when I take you to sit with your grandparents and there's that heaviness and you start to get bored? What, what, what are we doing? That would be, would have been the practice for boredom. I, I would have been an Olympian if I had practiced. Wow. You can practice. You absolutely can rehearse the self-control, you know, if you need to with your kids and it can help, but I don't know if it's necessary to go there, but I know where it is necessary to go. So if you want to tell them where to find all our stuff. Oh my God. Well, I know one thing. I know if you want to find our podcast, Dear Anxiety, you can go anywhere where you get your podcasts and that's Stitcher and Google Play and and all of those kind of things. But you can also find it at, at iTunes. You can you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety. And your comments, like Rini was reading on the, along the Facebook page, those comments are amazing and so helpful for other people to hear and for us to hear. So let's start the dialogue. Let's continue the dialogue through your comments, your questions, your, your statements. Tell us what's working for you. What's good? Let's hear what's good. Let's start a what's good page. And you can do that someplace, Rini. <laughs> you can do that. You can do that at gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. There's a form there that you can fill out to reach us directly. You can also email go at gozen.com and we get those emails. And you can also find us. Where do you find the podcast on iTunes? Uh, isn't it? Isn't it a bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash dear anxiety? Yes. Yes. That's it. That's it. You said it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good. So that's good. true. And also, yeah. please don't forget to go to gozen.com and click show me the video on top and sign up for our newsletter because we have some exciting things coming out that are going to be related to this podcast very soon, but you can only get them if you're on that email list. Fantastic. And you know what? What's good? I want you to think about that today. Listen to this and then ask yourself the question, what's good? I really like that your friend did that. We're going to give her residuals when we sell the shows. And keep coming back at Works if you work it. So glad you're here. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. See you next time. Thanks, guys.